If you would, remain turn in your pew Bible to page 1,756. 1,756. Our scripture lesson this morning is out of Romans, Romans chapter 8. I'm actually going to read verses 5 through 17. 5 through 17. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and it is peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if in lives in you. If, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to your sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are the children, if we are His children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. So if you had an unlimited amount of money in your bank account, what would you do? <laughs> Buy your mom's house. There you go. 
If you had an unlimited amount of money in your bank account, what would you do? Fix up your car, buy a new car, buy your mama house, do remodeling house. I don't know why we're going in and out, but we are. Um, it's an unlimited amount of things that all of a sudden, if you really just to sit down and go, if you were even write down a piece of paper, you know, I have a million dollars, what would I do? There's a sense of freedom that comes with that, right? The whole thought of having an unlimited amount in your bank account, even, even if you're not going to buy anything, will make you go, <sighs> right? Sense of freedom. Ability to do things. All of a sudden, you start dreaming. Where could I go? What could I do? What could I do? All of these different things. <clears throat> Today, we're talking about knowing what you have. We're going to continue on with the series, Knowing What You Have. And we're going to start today talking about the Spirit of God. Unlimited, unlimited, anything and everything that you could think of lives in you. Lives in you. Knowing what you have. When I talk about that, even the first word, knowing, I don't mean like, oh yeah, I'm aware. Knowing, I mean ownership. It's like some of us remember the days as far as the old car that we had. Wouldn't start unless you held your tongue right. Right? You had to, you know, whether, you, I don't know, maybe you had to have one arm out the window. Your car is probably different than mine. But you knew exactly how to get it started. If somebody says, can I borrow your car? All of a sudden you have to give the key of, okay, here's what you need to do before you even turn the key or it's not going to start. But see, you knew that car. You knew it. You just didn't know about it. You knew it. And that's a lot as far as our relationships are concerned. We know people, but as time passes and situations come up, then we know them better. Sometimes situations aren't nice. We get to know that person. But what we're talking about in this series is knowing what you have. It's not just to look at my life and go at a checklist of going, okay, I have the Spirit of God, I have the mind of Christ, I am a co-heir with Christ, I have ownership in who He is, I am adopted, I have authority. It's not making a checklist. We're talking about knowing what these things are. So here we're going to start talking about the Spirit of God. A lot of what we're going to be talking about throughout this whole series is based out of 1 Corinthians 2.12. We have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit is who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. That we may understand. Now, do you remember the last week that I was here, I had that folder full of manuals from the new house? I learned what the bottom drawer of the stove was about. I learned how to work our microwave and set the clock and all those wonderful things. Understanding what we have been given. Reading the manual on it. Not just being satisfied with, maybe if I hit this button, this button, then I can change the hour on my microwave. We're not talking about maybes here. We're talking about understanding what we have been given. 
how it works in us and through us so that God is glorified and those around us in our sphere of influence are impacted and drawn in. You get what I'm saying? I'm not talking about just knowing about it. I'm talking about knowing it to a full understanding that we use it and that we know how to use it. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is deposited into your life. The Holy Spirit. Now, oftentimes, we know about God the Father. We know Jesus Christ. And then there's this Holy Spirit that's out here. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God that sat on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Right? It was the, it was the Spirit of God that sat on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. So when the high priest would go in, he would go in and his robe had bells around the bottom and he would walk into the Holy of Holies in front of that with a rope around his leg. Now he wore that because if he went in before the Holy of Holies, before the Spirit of God, and there was sin in his life, he didn't walk out. And they would have to drag him out. The Spirit of God is that holy. And he lives in you. Are you kidding me? But I, I should be dead right now. And if anybody here should be dead, I should be the one laying on the, on the stage. But that's where his grace and all comes in. But the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. The one that has the power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. The one who was there when the earth was spoken into existence lives in you. David says, Psalm 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I may make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go, God, from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? When the Spirit of God moves, things happen. They do. Things happen. We are accustomed today to thinking that, well, wow, maybe we'll see someone get healed. The blind will see. The dead will raise. The lame will walk. The deaf will hear. Those are miracles, correct? Absolutely. I've said this before, and, and I'm going to say it again. One of, or the, I should say, greatest miracle that we could ever experience is the miracle of the heart. Is the miracle of the heart. Because when the heart is changed... 
the sphere of influence that that individual has shifts. It changes. When a person changes, things around them change. They change. Their marriage changes. Their children change. And then it just ripples out from there. If I am lame and now I walk again, yes, that's a testimony for me to share. But if my heart doesn't change, then that fades away. How many times do we pray for relationship? How many times do we pray for our sons or our daughters or our children? How many times do we pray for our grandparents? How many times do we pray for parents that they would accept Jesus Christ or that they would get back on the road or that their, a marriage would mend? What we're asking for is God change the heart. And when the heart changes, the Holy Spirit comes in and then God's presence is in you. And to go back to the Old Testament, if you have Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him and the Holy Spirit lives in your life, you're a walking Ark of the Covenant. That means the Spirit of God just should radiate from you. Sometimes we're too busy hiding it under a bushel. Sometimes we don't understand what it's about or how it's supposed to work in my life. Sometimes it's, I understand how it's supposed to work in my life, but I don't want it. Because I want to hold on to what I think is most valuable. So there's a surrendering process of letting His light so shine that others see it. That's the Holy Spirit alive in you. It is the presence of God. One of the things that I was able to experience, quite honestly, on my trip is the presence. There's a power in presence, right? Now, I'm going to go on, I'm going I'm to step on, on the, the physical side over here for a second and get us all on board. So, you go to work, or you go to wherever, you could go grocery shopping, go to a store, anywhere, and you walk in, and all of a sudden, there's that one person that you're like, mm, you and I ain't going to get along. I can tell you, I can feel it. Right? I, right? I'm not alone. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one that suffers with this. Okay, so we're like that, and we understand, and we can feel what's happening in the area. It could be the store, it could be in the atmosphere, but we feel the shift and we can go, oh, it's this person over here. Or you may even know that person. You're like, no, we're not going to get along or this is hard for me to take. You're hard for me to take. You have picked up on the power of their presence. Right? You walk in and you're like, mm, something's not right here. Has anybody ever been there? Don't know who it is, or what it is, but you're like, something is not right. That's the power of presence. Have you ever walked up to someone and go, man, I have talked to you for five minutes, didn't talk to you all day long. I feel like I have known you forever. And you know what? My heart is so joyful, and I feel so uplifted, and you know, I'm texting you just because, I don't know, because if I see your name pop off on my phone, I just smile. 
You ever met, met people like that? The power of presence. So as we understand that the Holy Spirit of God lives in me, it is my job to be a window to look through and not a person to look to. I need you to see God in my life because He's the one that's going to change your life, not me. He will. Now, there's sometimes when we wake up in the morning and sure enough, I'm guilty as anybody else. I forget to polish my window. Got little fingerprints all over it. Nobody can see Jesus because I got too much stuff going on. That doesn't mean he's not there. It's my responsibility to make sure that people can see him. So there's some things that I need to get cleaned up. And so you take a moment, sit down before the Lord, and you ask him, so what do I need to clean? What do I need to ask for forgiveness for? In humility and brokenness, you come before the Lord and you ask Him to expose those things because you know what? A loving Father will. And so then you deal with them, with Him. You see, that's the great thing about the Lord is that He's not going to point all these things out. He's not going to go, Ian, you know, how you said something to your children that yesterday, you need to go fix that. Good luck. Remember that guy that you didn't do business dealing right with? You need to go fix that, and you know what? He's probably going to just really give you the third, third degree, but, you know, that's, you're on your own. God doesn't do that to us. He not only shows us what needs to be addressed, but he shows us how. He shows us when. And he works on other people's hearts on our behalf so that he is glorified. Not so that Ian looks great but so that He is glorified. But when we step into those, those things that we need to fix, the Holy Spirit is with us and is working to make amends. That's why Romans 8.28 is so important. So important. All things work together for good. All things work together for good to those who love him. God didn't break it down between good things and bad things. He didn't break it down between the things that happen on Tuesdays and the things that don't. All things work together for good to those who love God. So when you, have, when you are broken before him, when you are humbled before him, you have his best interest at heart to let him flow through your heart into the situation, it will work out for good at some point. And that's sometimes where we have our troubles because we want it today. I want it to work out, God. I want to work it out right now. Can you have it done by 2.30? That'd be awesome. Patience, son. Patience. Holy Spirit that has been deposited into our life is the very presence of God for us 
and for those around us. As we move through this one point of the Holy Spirit, knowing what you have, I'm actually going to have to break this up because everybody wants to go to lunch at this point, isn't that right? So I'm going to have to break this up into the next two, maybe three weeks. But here's the things that we're going to cover. The Holy Spirit that lives within you is your guide, Romans 8, 14 and 15. He is our comforter, John 14, 16. He is our freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. That comes out of 2 Corinthians 3. He is our intercessor, Romans 8 continues, and he is our teacher out of John 14. He is wisdom out of Isaiah 11 and Ephesians 1, and he is our understanding, or he is our knowledge out of 1 Corinthians 2. All of what we have, all of what we have access to, is because of the Holy Spirit of God lives in your life. All of what you have access to, your tool bag, is because the Holy Spirit, the unlimited Adonai, lives in you. He is our guide. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship, and therefore we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is your guide. To be a guide is to one that lays a hold of, grabbing by the hand to bring to a point of destination. He is the one who is accompanying you into a place and he is the one that comes alongside you to move or to compel you and to influence your heart and mind to step in that direction. He is your guide. One of our biggest fears as humans is like, I don't know what tomorrow holds. The fear of the unknown. Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or I'm in a particular situation and I don't know how it's going to play out. The fear of the unknown. And, the, and, and Jesus tells us, he's like, you know, look, I've already replaced that fear that is naturally given to you and that you have had since birth, but I've replaced that fear with the Holy Spirit who is your guide. Does that mean we know that everything of what's going to happen? No, it doesn't. But we can trust the one who made it all. And he'll protect you. All of the situations that we face, there is a path through them. There is a path through them. If you trust. And if you tap into the Holy Spirit that's been deposited into you. And oftentimes, when we tap into that, it means you need to stop and rest. The power of rest connects to the power of presence and you are led by the hand to your destination so that also tells you that you're not alone so whatever the devil is whispering in your ear about the situation that you're facing and you feel all alone that we're never going to make it how am i ever going to cross this mountain you have been given a guide 
that will hold your hand and lead you to the destination. Who already, because they are, because God is not bound by time and space, He's already there. Did you catch that? The unlimited God is already at the final destination of the situation that you feel like you're wading through. And so he's awesome enough to have deposited his Holy Spirit in you and he's at your destination. Right? God is unlimited by time and space. True? Absolutely. So he's already there. That should build your trust. And all we're doing is engaging a truth that we have been taught since we were children, right? Since we were kids, we've been taught God is everywhere, isn't he? God is in the past, the present, and the future. That's just not him managing the world. That's him managing and wanting to manage your life. Your life. If he would have sent his son to die for only you, then he would have sent his spirit to only you to make sure that you get to the destination of everything that he created you to be and everything that he wants you to accomplish. Church, that's powerful. That's, pow that's life-changing. So I headed out Tuesday morning to South Carolina, the metropolis of Simpsonville, but it was just a wonderful time. But I left here, and as I'm driving down the road, it's like, you know what, you need to call some, contact some friends that are in West Virginia. They didn't know I was coming, they didn't know I was coming through, but guess what, they were home, go figure. Just having that time to listen and to be quiet and to be at rest and being led to all of these destinations over my 10 days was just amazing. It's almost like just I want to keep going. But the Lord was really teaching me and solidifying in my heart the power of his presence in our lives. This isn't it's not about me, it's about him. And we all understand that, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're just stages for him to dance across. We're really just windows for people to see him. Not us. But for, for 10 days, allowing the Holy Spirit to be my guide has been like, wow, you know what? This is refreshing. There's times in my life that these things have happened before. But this should be every day. Every day. And I understand that we have to get up in the morning and we have to go to work. I get that. We need to go to the grocery store and have food and we need to schedule that during our week at some point. But no matter where we are, he knows and he wants to use us. So my walking through the grocery store can be the same as driving to Florida and back. It's living in the time and being at rest in the moment to hear, see, and understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
It's different. Church, it's different, but it's a good different. But the Holy Spirit is our guide. And as we take these situations, and I would encourage you, whatever situation you may be in, do that with this one situation. Practice. You know, we get this idea that we're supposed to be perfect at this, right? I got four books in here. It's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That tells me all about how the disciples were messing up. Right? They weren't perfect. They weren't. Jesus gets to the point, he's like, what what am I going to do with you guys? Man, I've been walking with you for three years and you're still not having faith and you're still just trying to flounder around? That's me. That's me. I'm still trying to figure it out. But that's that's the wonderful thing about grace and forgiveness is that he forgives us and we move on. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Next week, we'll get into him being our comforter and freedom. But I just want to encourage you this week, just grab the first piece and ask God to reveal to you what it means to have the Holy Spirit alive in you. What does it mean? And I can stand up here and go, I know exactly what it means. But if, but if the Holy Spirit is unlimited, right? Then that means that I'm probably just standing on the tip of the iceberg. And there is so much more that he wants to show me. So this week, just ask the Lord to show you what it means to have the Holy Spirit alive in your life. And next week, we'll start working through some other points of of who he is. Knowing what you have, the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us to be with one another. Father, to be in the midst of your presence. Father, thank you so much for the worship that we've had today. Father, for your heart and your love towards us. Father, I just ask you to share with us what it means to have the Holy Spirit alive in our life. Father, allow our minds to be renewed. Allow our vision to be clearer. Father, I pray that our ears are opened, that we hear and understand the work that you're doing. And Father, I pray that our hearts are humbled and willing to follow your lead as your Holy Spirit guides us. Father, we thank you for today and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.